What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm here with Steve. And for you guys who have never heard the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk about the biggest stories in gaming. But we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, let me know what you've been playing. Yeah, so it's still a little mixture of things, but uh, really just a f- like pretty much like four main top or three main topics I want to touch on. Um, so, obviously, uh, I went back to Scarlet Nexus, uh, which I know. I talked about uh, a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago where I was really hyped for the game then I was like kind of confused with it and complained about uh, some of the mechanics they did a, a pretty big update it wasn't size wise it wasn't like a huge update but a lot of minor tweaks they did into like the targeting system um, a lot of the mechanics um, for like accessibility and it's like a lot of just under the hood type um, tweaks um, and a lot of it addressed things I w- had issues with, mainly the targeting system. I thought was really, um, just felt really weird and and the quirkiness of it. And I didn't know if it was just maybe because though I am playing the PS5 version, you can tell the game's not truly optimized for PlayStation 5. Um, it feels like it fixed all of that. So I got into it um, again and I'm starting to go through the story more. I, I'm taking my time. I felt like I was almost trying to like speed line it like almost devil may cry it uh where the game really wants you to take your time and, and read collectibles and talk to people and build this bond with some of your teammates um like a persona light uh, style not where it was like super you know competitive and, and and that it mattered to that extent but it now it is helping me flesh out the characters uh flesh out the the world a little bit more so now i'm actually really feeling the game again um and the combat is still just as interesting and, and unique as ever where it has that nice mixture and stuff so i'm excited i think now i will be able to continue carry through to the end of the game um just because that moment to moment is a little bit uh, better uh, it's a little tighter now I just it's what i felt like the game should have been um which makes me just wonder if a couple more patches would have made that game work better at launch i know i know it's been you know rate you know reviewed pretty well but i do think that a lot of that stuff that went just like brought it down um are now fixed and you know it's, it's weird because they did do like a trailer for this update and it's weird because it's like a lot of menus and things you really can't show unless you played it before and after but i'm really happy that the game is now i think in even a better state i think it went from a you know a pretty good game to like actually i think it's a really great game now um now that all these systems just work a little bit better uh without like compromising like the original creators or the development teams ideals you know it's not like we were just changing everything so i think that's really great so and uh, obviously this weekend was another uh halo infinite flight uh i jumped in um a little bit weirder this time because you have like three hour bursts where you can play uh against you know pvp and it's it's i know and you know i'm trying to say you know it is more halo but in the best way you know they're they're rolling it out a little bit slowly i do think i don't know if uh, they're just worried about like the server's stress but you know they're doing maybe like two maps at a time you know only three hours available where you can play uh we've uh, seen some new maps a, new, a couple new gameplay modes and the game is a lot better than i mean it hasn't been that long since the last flight um but the game is in a lot better shape i think a lot of the you know, i understand that the last flight they said it was a you know an older build and things like that i think maybe we're building now finally to what we're expecting at launch um, and it's, it's minor. Sometimes it's just like the textures look better. The ground looks a little bit better. You know, I, I, this is not supposed to be a super hyper-realistic looking game. I think they've pretty much nailed what an HD, you know, 4K 2021 Halo game should look like. It should look like this a lot less uh, what Halo 5 was. 
so it's all really starting to feel well you know the arena combat i know you're not super super into the multiplayer aspect but you know that arena shooter feel is back we have this new um it's almost like a shield bounce uh reflecting that people have been able to get pretty creative uh it, it's really good i to, for all my breakdowns like to see what halo really is changing into i always look at chris Raygun because he's like a super halo fanatic so mm-hmm. watching some of his streams and seeing these like small mechanics just work a little better the grappling hook is a whole lot better i i always thought it was almost felt like just thrown in in the first flight this one feels a little bit sharper you know where i'm i'm you know killing people and i knew they had the needler i could you know grapple hook just the needler turn around and get the next guy behind me so it's it's just working so much better and i'm having so much fun with it um and at first i was like kind of irked about the the three hour periods because they're like pretty far apart uh, but i when i'm in there in that moment i'm having great and i almost don't want to go too too far um i know t- later today we're filming on the last day of the this flight uh and then next week and there's gonna be another flight and I think we're doing, I think they're opening the big team battles tonight. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. It'll be, I think, our first experience with vehicles. Oh. Uh, cause unless I've been missing the map, it'll be the, fr- I don't know, I don't think they've announced what map they're going to show or give us access to. So that'll be interesting to see how big team battle works, because uh, that's always a big staple in Halo. So I'm super excited to see what really uh, comes of that. So I guess next, so yeah, our next episode, I'll have even more thoughts because the next flight will be next week and so. I'll have another weekend of the Halo Infinite uh, flight, which is uh, shaping up to be pretty well. Pretty exciting for uh, the actual release of Halo Infinite. And so the the last uh, thing I've uh, been tapped into, and I, I, you know, it's still, I'm still early on, and I know this will actually probably go in, I think you've probably played a lot more than I. So Kenna Bridge of, uh, Bridge of Spirits uh, finally released. I know, I've, you know, small delays here and there, and, uh, you know, this was something we've had pre-bought for so long, and we've been looking forward to it for a while now i'm still very early on in the game i i from the slice that i have played love it love it love it love it i'm confused on some of the reviewers who are saying it's like a ps2 game in 2021 but you know not in a bad way i don't know if they remember what ps2 games feel like i do understand sort of the quirkiness and jank it's very very slight jankiness of the controls um you know invisible walls here and there but i think as a a little bit more like linear experience i know there's like that small sort of hub world or whatever uh the village and stuff but everything else about this game i am loving it you know i i had you know i'm playing it uh and people in the room are thinking i'm watching a pixar game and this is i mean no shot to insomniac we love them if i thought this is ratchet and clank look like a pixar movie this even blew that out the water in my opinion from the widescreen for the way it's shot, the artistic style, it just looks so fantastic. So it's really exciting to see that, and I can't wait to dive more into it. I was, I only ever saw one gameplay trailer of this, and this was, I think, at the PlayStation 5 announcement, and I kind of always went dark from there. I know we've had a few different um, PlayStation events and state of plays that they've talked about it, but I was pretty much sold since day one. So the gameplay, I actually didn't know there was combat in it, so I thought that was really cool to see the the different combat and the different mechanics. Um, I'm also just a huge fan of masks, so the fact that that's all really tied into, like, the spirits and, you know, uh, that first part when you put the mask on and you break that barrier and you see the flashbacks of the spirits that you're helping cross over, I think all that stuff is right down my alley. I think those are themes that are, again, really are usually saved for more animated movies that take so much time and to explore, so... Having a whole journey to do that in, on PS5 right now, and it's available on PC for anyone who 
needs to. I think it's great. Again, I'm super early. I think you're probably a little bit more ahead, but um, that's all I've really been touching on are those three games right now, and you know a bunch of other stuff on the back burners. Um, things I know, things you'll probably talk about: Castlevania Advance Collection and all these other great things that were uh, shown in. We'll talk about later as well. So, what uh, what have you been up to? Sure. So I guess I can just pick it piggy off of where you left. Uh, I've also been playing. I guess they they pronounce it in the game Kena, but I I don't I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. So Kena Kena whatever. I've also been playing it. Uh, I would say I'm actually fairly deep into the game at this point. I don't know exactly how long it is, uh, but basically without getting into spoiler territory, the game I think was is is kind of broken into giant vignettes dedicated to one kind of. You, you have this main journey she's on, and then she encounters these other characters, uh, and they each have their own sections of the map, and so I'm on the second one of those. Um, and, yeah, no, uh, the game is phenomenal. It's probably one of my favorite games of the year easily so far. Uh, very, very pleasantly surprised by a lot of things in this game. First off, I also, though I was very uh, excited about this game, I tried to limit the amount of information i took in about it because i was kind of sold on the visuals and what they're trying to do about it i was just going to leave it like that uh and it wasn't an expensive enough title for me to need to dive into every single mechanic to make sure it's a game for me i was pretty confident i was going to like it uh so yeah i also really didn't know there was uh combat and so not only was i impressed about the that there was combat but the combat's actually really good and can get really challenging as you get uh, to higher difficulty. So I think they did a phenomenal job there. The art style is beautiful. Uh, I will say, I, so I gave it a shot playing in both fidelity and performance mode. I will mm-hmm. say for anybody who's kind of not 100% sure which to play, absolutely play in performance mode. Um, what I will say is the visual, that native 4K versus upscaled 4K, it, it, the difference is marginal. I didn't, I didn't encounter a massive difference in visual fidelity. However, the performance at 30 to 60 frames per second is just night and day. Uh, and so I actually didn't love the way it felt in 30 frames. But when I switched it to 60, it felt things just felt a lot more fluid and better. Uh, so absolutely play in performance mode if you are confused or conflicted about which mode to play in. Uh, because again, it visually looks stunning, even with the 60 frames per second. They did a great job there. And again, it's upscaled 4K, so it's not like it looks muddy or any crappy like that. Uh, I also mm-hmm. saw some of the reviews about it being like a PS2 game. I couldn't disagree more at all, as someone who kind of actively plays PS2 games or or Same. games from that era. Uh, it, it's not even remotely similar to that. Uh, I 100% understand what they're saying about the linearity to it, but I, I even think that's a little overblown because once you get to sections like the for, uh, Forbidden Woods it actually opens up akin to like a Zelda game where yeah is it an open world like an Origins game or like Odyssey or anything like that of course not but there's tons of backtracking and Metroidvania type things and especially once you get into the warp system and you open up more locations you're doubling back to places all the time so and you can walk from location to location so it is one open world essentially so the idea that it's like like a DMC type game it's not even remotely similar to that at all because again those worlds are very segmented where this game if you wanted to you could run from one section to the another as long as you have the abilities to access the location there's nothing really prohibiting you to that sure there's invisible walls and stuff like that but i I think that's more of akin just kind of to the scale of the game uh because again this is not like the most massive sony game ever uh though ember lab i think did a phenomenal job so it doesn't feel super indie to me this does feel like something that i could see coming from the first party maybe with a little bit more polish um 
but yeah, overall, I think it, it's phenomenal. And anybody who's kind of skeptical about it, I think the game is what, like 40 bucks or something like that? 40, 50 bucks? I believe so, yeah. Excellent cash proposition. Uh, and again, I don't know how long it is. I've seen some people complain about the length. I'm what I would guess maybe halfway, 60% in. And I've been very happy with the amount of time it's taken for me to get to this point. Uh, and I think there's tons of replayability because of the how collectible things are and how much exploration you can do. So yeah, absolute thumbs up for me. I love the game so far. Uh, and, and I've been playing a couple other things, so I won't take too much time with them. Uh, I've also put... I've since paused at Origins because I'm working on other things right now. Uh, but I will be going back to that. I'm very deep into it. Uh, I wouldn't... I don't think I'm necessarily late. I mean, I'm the late part of the game, but I'm like maybe 75% through it. Um, the main thing is the way the game is structured is it's obviously the first open world game of the ACs that went that mm -hmm. way. However, I feel like the mission structure is not as balanced as... Um, some of the ones that came after it so you'll have these major level requirements and jumps uh between major story missions so like one story mission will require like hey you should be level 28 for this one the next one will be like hey you need to be level 33 for this so it's up to you to do um missions on the side of that like kind of side material to be able to get the xp to make sure that you're on the same level so you don't get destroyed on the the missions which is fine that's very normal yeah. stuff but the thing is the way they lay out xp per mission and the way how homogenous and samey the missions can be boy can that game get crazy boring in between major story missions um so that's my only major critique of it is i feel like it got a little bit more balanced later on where they they struck up a good balance where it's like if you would like to get pretty close to mainlining it that's an option you could do if you'd like to do more explore exploratory runs you can absolutely do that we're here they made it so you need to play the side material but it didn't feel like they put a ton of love and care into some of the smaller missions where it's like a lot of fetch quests so it's like escort this person from a to b go into this encampment clear that out clear this encampment take people out uh go get this uh you know relic from this uh tomb and you go through and it's the same things over and over and over and over again with uh higher scaling enemies pretty much and that can get a little bit samey uh in the way that i feel like odyssey and valhalla they took you into such weird situations and weird part of the map but it felt so unique from it so even the smallest mission they're like oh my god i can't believe some people missed this because this is like such a funny quirky weird mission where origins i didn't encounter as much of that and i saw attempts for it like hey escort this giant white croc from like uh this encampment <laughs> yeah. to this yep. swamp area which is cool but then i'm getting attacked by hippos for like the 15th millionth time in this game and i'm like okay guys like so eventually you do get to a point where i could literally sit there and predict the missions that come are coming to me and it literally is right so that's the only thing i do like origins a lot but it has gotten to a point where and also i would admit i might be a little biased because i am pretty fatigued right now because i've played back-to-back -back assassin's creed games from the beginning so i am kind of in a mo mode where i'm like okay wrap it up bayek like let's wrap it up but um <laughs> i do like the game quite a bit uh also i played origami 2 this is a game that recently oh, came yeah. to Game Pass. I dabbled with the first one, but I did not dive deep into it. And this game is really awesome. Uh, so this game is 100% for anybody who's into any kind of like stealth game. So if you like Assassin's Creed, if you like Ghost of Tsushima, and you're okay with something a little bit more indie feeling, this game is absolutely for you. They take out a lot of the crazy story elements. So it's literally, they give you a giant uh, encampment 
area and you just stealth around uh, killing people and fulfilling some kind of obligation that they want you to do for the mission. And so it's, it's, it's a pretty simple formula and you're a ninja also. So obviously it gives like Tenchu vibes at times. Uh, but yeah, I think they did an excellent job with that. Um, and sure, it has some jank to it, but generally speaking, it does what it needs to do. The only thing is it's super not forgiving when it comes to breaking stealth. So if at any point you get caught by like two or three people, chances are you're screwed. Um, you could <laughs> fight it off if you really have the skill to do so. But in my experience, and again, I've been playing these stealth games for a while now. So thankfully, a lot of the tricks that I found working really well in Assassin's Creed work fine in this game as well. Um I would say that it's a lot less forgiving in that regard that like if you if you they obviously want you to play a certain way and plot out your pathway and kind of prepare for things and have an escape route and stuff like that uh because if you try to go in guns blazing in any capacity even if it's not a ton of people in the area chances are they're gonna kill you because they deal a lot of damage because it, it, it's supposed to be that kind of difficult stealth situation and i guess to some degree you could say it's a little bit more on the realistic side in that regard because yeah if you were trying to stealth infiltrate a facility and you got caught by three people with swords chances are you probably wouldn't do so well against them uh and it's a very similar situation where like there are parry systems and dodging systems uh and, and just general blocking but the ability to leverage that against three people it just i don't feel like it has that level of fluidity in the combat to allow you to do that kind of stuff so for anybody who has an xbox and is interested in those type of games i 100 percent say give it a spin 20 30 minutes and you should be able to know whether it's a game for you and i think uh, people can get a kick out of it uh, i wouldn't pay personally i wouldn't pay more than like 20 bucks for this type of game uh for me personally about the time i'd get out of it but if you can get it for like on game pass or for cheaper you know on playstation i think it's on playstation uh then i, I think it's worth a spin so a good game uh, steve i think you might get a kick out of this game yeah you know this is one of those things that it's kind of just been missing me and and i'm looking at it now and it's i i didn't really i knew it looked cool i didn't know it was like this whole stealth i'm looking at this like a few screenshots and it looks great now i mean me being me i'm gonna obviously have to play the first one are they uh hard connected or so, one into well so I can't 100% say how connected they are, but personally, I played maybe f f 10 minutes of the first one a while ago, and I just jumped into two, and I'm having no problems, because again, it, it the game to me is 100% crafted around the gameplay loop and less mm -hmm. about the narrative. There is a narrative there, but at no point am I in a situation where like I'm following an NPC character that I don't know who the hell they are. It's really just they they give you a scenario, they drop you into the world, go ahead. And the rest is on you. So I would say you would have zero issue jumping into this game at all. They teach you every cool. single mechanic you need to know. I can't even say what mechanics are in the first one or not. They teach you everything. And the way they, they do it is... A lot of mechanics that you kind of just have in Assassin's Creed or Ghost, you actually have to unlock in this game. And they craft the oh, missions okay. around that. So they'll set you up with, you know, the ability to stealth kill someone um, and kind of hide in grass and stuff like that. But things like drawing a character into your grass, like, you know, like a whistle mechanic or something like that, mm -hmm. is something you unlock over time not hard to unlock things but it takes time and so as you unlock things the missions start leveraging that mechanic more and more so it's actually a pretty cleverly designed game that forces you to really learn how to use every single thing and everything has a weight to it so when you know you're kind of throwing a knife really quick like in a syndicate 
And here, you only have so many, and they only do so much damage. So you have to be very judicious about who you throw, uh, like, a shuriken at. So these, it's small things like that that I actually think could be frustrating to some people and actually pretty cool to others. Uh, so if you're looking for more of a challenge because like Assassin's Creed and Ghost, uh, you kind of max out everything you can do and then you want something that maybe kicks your butt a little bit more in the other direction, I think Origami uh, could give you that level of challenge so long as you're a little forgiving for the fact that, again, the scale of the game is much smaller. Like it's a smaller team working on it and it's a less robust game, but I think it's pretty mm-hmm. fun still. So. No, I might have to check that out, and I mean it's three ninety nine right now on PlayStation. So oh, perfect. Uh, and yeah. then this, and then the second one is on Game Pass, which who knows? But so we'll, we'll I'll have to check that out because that is one of those things that it's like I constantly see, and I'm like I gotta play this. It looks like it's it's down for me, but for some reason I just it's haven't had that time for it, but. Uh, with always usually with your sign offs, I'm usually pretty confident going for it. Yeah, for under five bucks, I th- I think you're gonna like it. I don't think I don't think this is gonna be your game of the year, but I think you can get a kick out of it. Uh, and yeah, the only advice I can give you is do not try to fight multiple people at the same time. It's not gonna work. Okay, got it, got it. I will. I'll keep you updated if I decide to jump in. Awesome. And then the last one, and I'll wrap it up here. Uh, obviously, I've been playing Castlevania Advanced Collection. Uh, I yes. got it the moment that it could have came out. <laughs> Um, I literally I got the game before it posted onto the eShop and I used my computer because that's how much I wanted it. They posted the link online and I checked the yeah. eStore and it wasn't there. I was like, absolutely not. Went on the computer, bought it on the computer, downloaded it onto my console because it was in my library or whatever. Um, and yeah, no, phenomenal. Again, like I, there's not much new I can say about these games because people who know, know. Uh, personally, I'm playing Circle of the Moon right now and I'm kind of just going through it. Uh, the last one I'm probably going to play is Harmony of Dissonance because I have that on Game Boy. I also have Aria Sorrow, but Harmony of Dissonance I was playing up until lo- not too long ago on my SP. So I've, that's very fresh in my head. So Circle of the Moon okay. is the only one that I didn't have a physical of in this collection with exception for Dracula X, but I don't I don't really like Dracula X, I know, and I know that might be heresy to Castlevania fans, but I, I love the soundtrack, and I love the the visual style of it, but the mm-hmm. game, the, the the heavy weight to it, I just don't like, personally. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Circle of the Moon is what I'm playing mainly right now, love the game. I'm on the latter part of it, I think I'm like 70% through it, uh, because uh, once you know, uh, Castlevania is, for anybody who doesn't know, I would say is broken into a couple eras. Obviously, you have the NES era, uh, and I think you can lump in some of the Super Nintendo titles with that, like Castlevania IV uh, and Bloodlines yeah. and stuff like that, that are similar vein. Obviously, things change with Symphony of the Night that leads into the Advance and DS era, uh, and then onwards, you get like kind of things like Lords of Shadow and stuff like that that are very completely different stuff. Um, and so when it comes to Castlevania, once you know the format, you can pretty much jump into any of them and make decent progress, like, so long as you understand how it works. And so as someone who's been playing Harmony and Dissonance up until very recently, jumping into Circle of the Moon, I was pretty able to, like, mainline it really quick. Uh, and so long as you're able to figure out where the save points are and kind of make it from save point to save point, you'll make progress pretty well. So the game is phenomenal. I love the way it looks. I love all the amenities they add, uh, all the little... Um, kind of like concept art stuff the music player is awesome too because that's awesome because i wanted to sit there and listen to the soundtrack of dracula x but i didn't want to really play the game uh that much yeah. uh so that was perfect for me um and i kind of just sat there and ran through a couple of those theme songs 
And yeah, it just runs well. It has all the different aspect ratio. If if you are a psycho, you could play full screen if you want to and just like stretch it to the switch screen. Stretch those <laughs> massive GBA pixels. Speed. Yeah. Yeah, those pixels on GBA to uh yeah, I don't know. I wonder how that even looks all stretched out. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I always check just to look because I think it looks hilarious with the NES one because I, I played Castlevania three fully stretched just to see. And I, I played like maybe the first two levels or something, like not that long, but it looks ridiculous. And so the Game Boy one looked a little <laughs> less ridiculous because there's more pixel density in the those ones than obviously the NES ones. Uh, mm. But o- overall, I think it's kind of ridiculous way to play. Um, you could either. Uh, obviously pixel perfect or kind of just the general bars on the side are the best way to play uh pixel perfect is a little small for me and the difference is negligible enough that i'm not too worried about it i played the same way with uh the Mega Man collection the zx collection um where i just kind of play with the bars on the side and that keeps the aspect ratio faithful but like not super stretched so I, I like what's going i like what's going on with this collection it's only 20 bucks anybody who likes symphony of the night and is upset that symphony of the night is not on switch yet these are close enough i i know nothing will ever be a replacement for symphony of the night but personally uh i can super co-sign harmony of dissonance that it's pretty pretty great as far as i'm concerned it's one of my favorite ones period uh especially after the kind of um uh, symphony of the night era so for anybody who is a little mm-hmm. upset that that's not on Switch quite yet. That's a good replacement as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I always put in my mind, my mental check, like the Symphony Night and then these three GBA games uh, usually together because they're obviously highly inspired by... I mean, I know it was them, I know it was Ega and everyone, so highly inspired by that Symphony of the Night. Um, Dracula X is a weird one to put on the collection because, I mean, that's basically... It is yeah. Rondo, right? It's Rondo Flood. Correct, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so interesting that's an interesting one yeah i probably will just listen to the music i'm not dying to jump into rondo again yeah i played dracula x years ago on like my psp that's when i used to play it exactly um but yeah no and and for anybody also don't sleep on aria sorrow too because i think if you're interested in seeing a castlevania game play with imagery that like literally no other ones play with and get like super futuristic and stuff like that that is a cool one too so there's Mm -hmm. lots of cool things in this collection uh of course i'm still always going to be partial to castlevania 3 because that's just my all-time favorite but this one's like a really refreshing kind of i i do like the save system it, it they're a lot more forgiving personally and i know that's hilarious to some people because they feel like the castlevania games are like tough after after symphony of the night but for anybody who plays the nes games and knows what i'm talking about where it's like nice to have save points and not have to be solely reliant on save states unless you're a savage which i've done this run before with no save states in the original nes mm-hmm. one i've done that too before it's brutal to get through so uh, i do appreciate yeah. how forgiving some of these newer ones are where like they just give you a little bit of breathing room so um mm. yeah that i've been playing the hell out of that and i've been trying to strike up a balance between that and kana and trying to find out like what i'm gonna play because i just like them both so much so it's it, and i that's poor origins it just got completely shafted the moment these two games came out so yeah but it makes sense these games are just better in, yeah. a, in the <laughs> nicest way i say that with peace yeah. and love absolutely <laughs> all right so i guess we can move on to the first story this is a big one mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we got a huge Nintendo Direct this week, uh, and so we'll just go kind of point by point, and, uh, mm-hmm. not everything is on here, because some things either got announced, and, I, like, no offense, but, like, nobody cares, or it's just updates, so I tried to hit all the major points here, because otherwise we'll be here all day, because they announced a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, they did. So first one, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Now, for anybody who wasn't paying super close attention, this is actually something that leaked 
kind of like right before the thing and a lot of people a few were hours yeah a lot of people were pissed about this obviously because you know when it comes to nintendo directs people and their spoilers they're very protective of that they like experiencing it in real time uh so but besides a little bit of concept art in the title uh there's not much more information we got about it so thankfully when they showed the trailer it was pretty much brand new for me um and i was really impressed with what they showed it seems like and not to come keep you know comparing it but it is very much seemingly like the odyssey of of kirby games pretty much it's opening things up it has them in this interesting world uh fully 3d obviously not a side scroller and uh it looks pretty fun as far as i'm concerned in a very interesting direction to take kirby uh what were your thoughts about this game yeah i mean it's it's always strange not strange you know when a kirby game comes out because most Kirby games, let's be honest, are the exact same game over and over. Definitely. Uh, you know, that first level, you always end up fighting with Speedwood. So when you see one finally take a little bit different chance and doesn't look like it's just a side-scrolling Kirby, I'm pretty much down for it. You know, I, I saw the leak uh, a little bit. So I saw some of the artwork, which ended up being true with, like, the rundown city, basically. Yeah. The post-apocalyptic-looking city. Um, this is not the title that, that was leaked um, for the most part. At least I didn't see it. It okay. was something about stars. Um <clears throat> So when I saw and the Forgotten Land, I was like, okay, I was like, I almost even thought maybe we were getting two Kirby games. Um, Not impossible that that happened because before. all the artwork was lining up right. And I'm like, well, this is not the title they gave leaked, but I'm all for it. You know, again, we haven't seen too too much of this, um, and usually Nintendo doesn't hit us over the head with Kirby, so I'm okay with seeing a little bit. Maybe later on they do a, a full on trailer to show some gameplay, and then that's all I need to see. And I'm I've got no no problem uh playing these kirby games i usually you know do a one playthrough and that's it but i'm i'm all i'm all for kirby not doing you know the same thing we've done for years now yeah kirby's an interesting one because i feel like and i don't mean to speak for everybody but a lot of people like kirby and not as many people love kirby like it's something that i think a lot of people as a nintendo first party game like you look forward to you play it especially at kind of like the end of like a life cycle that used to happen um star allies had you know you can get a couple hours out of it but it's not something that i've met a ton of people that are absolutely head over heels passionate about kirby games uh at least not for a long time you know once upon a time in those crystal shards there i the people you were sworn by it but um yeah <laughs> these days you know things have quieted down quite a bit for kirby where it's 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 kind of that ip where it's from the first party but it comes out but it doesn't really mm-hmm. like that fire under people that like zelda and mario obviously do or even Star Fox really um yep. and so this i th- i'm excited about this game because i feel like it has an opportunity to kind of reinvigorate things if they stick the name uh stick the landing obviously what this turns out to be and what the scale of this is only time will tell uh but if this really is able to deliver what they're showing off so far then i think this has a lot of potential just kind of taking kirby and kind of a bigger and a bolder direction so i think that's a good thing mm-hmm. and uh, i hope this this game does well because I, I would love another nintendo first party game that really kind of excites me uh because nintendo has a great track record with that but it, again to be reliant on kind of like mario and zelda to hold all that it's going to set you up for disappointment for quite a while. So if Kirby can really kind of pull some of that weight, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the next big one, Nintendo Switch Online plus Expansion Pack. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this up uh, from what I remember. So basically what this is, and I think this is rolling out, I think they're aiming for uh, late October, they said, where you're going to pay an additional fee, but you'll have access to N64, uh in Genesis games, in my was there anything else that they they announced? 
No, I, I think they, I think they may have referred to it as the Master System or whatever, but I, I that yeah. was pretty much what I said. It's Genesis games. Um, so yeah, so that that's two separate things right there. So we'll break that up and and we'll discuss them each separately. So let's just get the N sixty four stuff out of the way. Um, so obviously that's been something super in demand for a while. They showed off a, a number of games, and it's it's pretty much the N sixty four games that you imagine that they'd come out with. Uh, Majora's not going to be there at launch, but it will be coming at some point. Uh, but this is something that we all hoped for. A lot of be- leaks confirmed this, uh, but it was still nice to finally see them acknowledge that N sixty four games are coming to Switch. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, I, I I'm half and half where it's like, well. It's cool that the, all these games are coming to it, uh, especially N64 games. You have, uh, I think, Ocarina is going to be at launch. Mario 64 things at launch. Um, I, you know, I, I do think it's kind of a sour taste because we have to, you know, upgrade your membership or whatever. So we have to pay more. I understand we're getting more. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, you know, the base membership is nowhere near what even. I don't think the base membership that we pay, and I know it's only like $20 a year. Um, I still think that's kind of off the way they do the game releases and things like that. I, I do think it's still nowhere near. So if you're going to make me pay more uh, to rent these games, essentially, it just still leaves me in this weird state where it's like, wh- why are we doing the catalogs this way? Why is the catalog so small? Uh, you know, it's fun that the games are finally on there. Uh, be able to play some of these you know, on the go, you know, legally through you know the way nintendo wants us to um i i just think that was a weird place to put it right in the middle of the director like hey you have to pay us more and we're gonna give these games that you obviously have been wanting and asking for yeah yeah i'm, I'm pretty conflicted just like you uh, obviously i love me a lot of these n64 games and they they chose some pretty fun ones that i'm 100 percent willing to jump back into um the price proposition of the Nintendo Switch thing, and again, that's that's a complicated issue because it's almost like a separate issue, but at the same time, I echo a lot of the same sentiments as you where it's like, I already feel like the service is not particularly robust, uh, and for them to basically offer some more, but basically say that you're going to have to pay more, I guess the biggest question is how much more. Um, obviously, the, the service is 20 bucks, so it's a lot cheaper than a lot of the other console online things, but keep in mind, like, the offerings and the offerings are decent they don't give free games though like the other ones um and also N- nintendo servers are kind of like notoriously kind of terrible and so yeah. to basically ask me to pay more thankfully i'm not one of the people who even get the service for that like i actually play the super nintendo and nes games all the time so that's what i use the service for so personally i don't have a problem paying what i pay for that but i could imagine the absolute frustration if somebody plays a lot of like splatoon for example and they're like okay so you want me to pay more because i do want to play n64 games but is there going to be like a server upgrade to justify the cost and it doesn't i doubt it it's it's going to be completely content based mm-hmm. um so I, I'm, I guess my question is just how much more. If it's another 20 and it's up to 40, which again, I'm, this is speculation. I'm not putting this on Nintendo or holding them to this. Uh, then that's absolutely ridiculous, obviously. Uh, if it's a small, this is an expansion pack, which again is an insane title uh, for yeah, it. Yeah, um, smart, but. If it's just um, like maybe $5 extra, I'll be probably a little bit more forgiving 
in that regard, I guess. Uh, it, it, for me, a lot of it comes down to what what are they really charging for this amount? Because again, if, if if they're looking at this as like a robust offering on the Nintendo side, because these are major 3D games, and we can want you to spend another ten twenty dollars a year on that, then they're pushing it for, because. $20 service for what they're giving, you know, it's not great, but I'm not mad at it. $40 service for what they're giving, hell nah, hell nah, because now you're, I'm, I'm, I'm paying for PS Plus, you know, 50 bucks, much better servers, free games, free current gen games, full robust games, uh, and, and so it's not even comparable, so... Um, I'm, I'm giving them some leeway because we don't 100% have all the information yet, but I'm certainly, I got my eye on them. But again, I yeah. am excited to play my, the N64 games. Uh, and it's good to see them go into that direction because that, to me, also points to the inevitability of eventually GameCube games. Uh, Hopefully, yeah. Beyond that, I think is super unlikely. Um, with maybe small exception, because technically we have had Wii games on... Um, uh, Switch, they're just technically not marketed as Wii games. Like, we had World of Goo, and that's essentially a Wii game. You know, <laughs> like, it still plays the same way. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know that's, like, a small exception that people are going to be rolling their eyes at me. But technically, it, it is a, a Wii game. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I feel pretty much the same as you. It's like, I, I want to play the games, but I got my eye on them. Because it's like, I, I need to know how much this costs. And thankfully, we won't have to wait long, only a couple more weeks to find out fully. Yeah, Absolutely. And then I guess the second part of the story, or uh, this this particular bullet point, is the addition of Master System or Genesis games. Uh, and that was very strange for me. Um, and also, before I go any farther, they're also releasing cordless and, and wireless uh, versions of the N64 and Genesis controller to use for the Switch Online as well. Just like the NES and Super Nintendo did for all you guys who like to collect those. That's uh, mm-hmm. also worth noting. Uh, but yeah, Genesis games, very strange uh, on my end for multiple reasons. So uh, obviously I'm a massive Genesis fan. I know you are as well. We both love these games. I have a vast majority of those games uh, in one form or another. Obviously I have the Genesis Mini as well, um, thanks to you, of course. Um, yeah. And the, pretty much all of those games are on that. So I have yep. the ability to play all these games. But it's still so insane for me to see that Genesis branding with the Nintendo symbol on the side. Like, who would have thought that, like, all those years later, Sega would be in this... Like, it's just so insane to see that a Genesis with a Nintendo... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like, uh, who would have thought that, like, all these years later that we'd be in that position? Um, but, yeah, no, I think that's a pretty cool offering, and that just makes me wonder, like... Okay, so if Nintendo Switch Online technically is not just Nintendo Switch Online, and now they're going to put other consoles on there too that makes me wonder like what else is this possibly open to like you know what i mean like well are they going to go into more of uh, sega's history because i'd love to see saturn games on on the switch online that'd be awesome um what were your thoughts on this part yeah i mean it it took me by a surprise i'll be honest i was like i was me you know when they were like oh we have and this as well you would think GBA would come to this way before, oh, or, definitely. or Game Boy, even OG Game Boy games before he got Genesis games. Um, it is weird that, like, so I'm looking at the 14 titles, um, but it's like some of these games are already on Switch in that Sega Genesis collection. I'm like, and I yeah, think if sure. I'm not even wrong, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, I think is you can buy it separately as just Sonic the Hedgehog 2 th- on Switch. Yeah, it's like five so bucks. Like, it's like the cu- yeah, cl- so, classic yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. 
like the Sega Classic. So I mean, it's interesting, but it's like, I, I mean, I guess more content doesn't hurt. Obviously, uh, it's just yeah. I just as much as I love the Sega Genesis, like I have these games in multiple formats in multiple consoles. Uh, there's a lot of GBA and Game Boy games that are kind of lost in time, and I would have preferred that. Um, I will obviously dabble in some of this stuff. Like, I, you know, Streets of Rage 2 um, would be great, but, you know, I'm not I'm not dying to go play Echo the Dolphin again. Um, Yo, it would be nice to Echo. <laughs> or it's, like, four sequels and time-traveling one. But, um, you know, for people who haven't jumped into, like, Shining Force, excellent. Uh, Castlevania yeah. Bloodlines. Excellent. Um, so, you know, they... They picked and choose some nice. Uh, it's where they they would just jump straight into Shinobi Three, but again, like we're saying, also good though. It does, That's a good one. It, no, also great, but it's just yeah. so weird to <laughs> Sonic Two, but not Sonic One. Um, so it is just like a a weird collaboration, and because then we have Golden Axe One, so it's like weird, but at the same time, I guess if as long as it's not. As long as it's part of this other bundle that they're giving us, uh, it, it'll be interesting to to see how the, what else rolls out uh, for Sega. Because like you're saying, we start getting into uh, maybe some Dreamcast and Saturn and now we're things talking. later on. Now I see. Now you're starting to you know plump up the uh, the worth of it. Give me crazy you know, taxi on of, Switch. Yeah, that price of admission. If as you sweeten the deal, then then you got me. Yeah, for sure. That that. That's the most exciting thing for me is is not the Genesis games, but the implications of them offering a non Nintendo property on Switch Online. Now I'm not going to yes. go as far as to think that they're going to be adding you know in television or like Atari games or anything like that, um, mm-hmm. because obviously the connection between Nintendo and Sega, though at one point incredibly adversarial, ad- adversarial, now obviously is super symbiotic, um, and so that's a very unique thing to. Sega and, and Nintendo so it makes me just super excited and I would imagine that if they want to go in that direction they're probably going to roll it out chronologically so they're doing that now they're going to they're uh, they're doing Genesis now they're doing N64 on the Nintendo side then it's probably expected that they'll probably do a Saturn next and then maybe a Dreamcast and then beyond that we have to wait on Nintendo I I I mean, I, or obviously, I mean, there, there actually is nothing beyond that, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, because then they all went on to GameCube anyways. But uh, yeah, no, th- that's the the more exciting thing, is less to do with the Genesis games, even though I'm going to play all those because I love Genesis. But uh, it just makes me excited, like, uh, give me some nights now, that's what we're talking about. Like, you give me some nights on Switch and now I'm, I'm a happy boy. Uh, or some Sonic Adventure, even if it's like the original and, and then eventually do DX for the GameCube collection. That would be great. Uh, and that also tells me that Sega is uh, super on board with what uh, Nintendo's doing on the uh, online side. So that means that when we get to um, GameCube eventually, that makes it more likely that Sega will be on board to allow for like a Sonic Adventure DX or a Sonic Adventure 2 battle or something like that. Yeah, um, hopefully. Yeah, and whether that be offered... In their original forms through the Dreamcast collection, if that comes, or if that be released on GameCube through that side, whatever way, I think that makes that much more likely to happen because obviously Sega's on board to some extent here. Um, and then that's really good news for us fans who not only are fans of retro games, not only Nintendo fans, but are a Sega fan holdouts that we're, we're still out there. And, and this, I just love seeing any kind of breath of life through Sega, uh, yeah. older material. 
Uh, next one, Splatoon 3 update. So this is the first time I think they showed off uh, some of the single player material, which is great because that's personally, I'm one of those weird people who play uh, Splatoon for the single player material. I don't play online because I don't stand a chance. Like I, I've tried <laughs> and I, I can't even yeah. get like a, like one kill. Like I don't even get close. Um, but the single player material is so like it for two is so phenomenally meant uh made because it was the first thing that i felt like evoked the spirit of like a mario sunshine in so long um and so i i loved the platforming i loved the way they used the, the paint splat, splatting mechanic uh in very unique ways and they had these unique characters and these unique scenarios great boss fights and so that was the one thing i was hoping was that i hope that splatoon 3 has a single player offering and it looks like it does and it looks really really dope and i love uh some of the street imagery that they're playing with and this one looks a little grimier uh than the the second one so uh what's your thoughts about that yeah, I mean, everything I see looks great, you know, um, so, you know, the, I was always wondering, you know, because we only saw the one little teaser for, for Splatoon 3, which was the bus stop or something like that, I don't really something remember, like from the original one, so, train, yeah. seeing, you know, yeah, the trainer, so seeing the new area, seeing, like, there's that really cool scene where they're, like, I always call it the, uh, the weird, like, double city thing where, like, the city looks inversed or whatever, and yeah. It, it all looks really cool, and I'm glad they're still sticking with the story because I just that's one thing, you know. These multiplayer games, once they start hitting that multiplayer stride, they want to, you know. I mean, look at Battlefield. There's no single player campaign right now in Battlefield coming out, so you know. And I know that these are obviously way too different games, but to know that we still get that solid single player mode because that's the first thing I do is usually play a lot of the single player mode. Um, so I'm excited to see what other features. You know, the multiplayer mode looks like splatoon multiplayer mm-hmm. which you know it comes and goes I, I was not good at splatoon 1 at all but splatoon 2 um on switch i don't know if it was just having a portable right there in my hands um i had a lot of fun me and my wife actually spent a lot of time passing it back and forth um playing it because we you know we weren't the best at it but there was sometimes you'd get into that zone and you were just like on top of it but i'm glad this series is sticking around i i, I glad i like the whole uh theme they're going for the story mode the return of the mammalians mammalians um which is like you know the animal creatures uh which we've only really seen a bunch of like fat cats yeah it's like the two fat cats yeah the two fat cats but uh all everything else looks really cool i saw i remember seeing and i'm looking at it now where you you get completely inked in like a ninja outfit and like they were like running up walls and like hook shotting yeah Uh, it looks really cool it looks really cool it looks like a natural progression but it looks like they're not afraid to take their time and try new things because you know it is a concept that could get stale very quickly yeah i saw some really cool abilities that some of the characters were able to do and so it makes me wonder if like over time they're interested in adding mechanics of like roles on on a team Mm -hmm. like somebody go for like more of a tankier character somebody go for one with more dynamic movements up walls and stuff like that so uh i I think they're doing some really cool things to spice up the the multiplayer offering as well so uh, i love what they're doing there um the next one monster hunter rise sunbreak expansion pack don't got much uh to say here uh but people really do like them some monster hunter rise uh looks like a really really dope game um you have any interest in this? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm glad they're supporting and people are yeah. liking what they're doing with Rise, and uh, that's that's good. Uh, Super Mario Bros. movie update and the most insane cast list. Um, but yeah, I, I had completely 
forgotten that they were even making this movie and then mm. uh, like it, it came out of absolutely nowhere and they're like oh here's like the the date and and i did remember that like uh, illumination was working on it and illumination are an incredibly uh talented team over there who make the despicable me movies uh so i guess i can read some of the cast i just pulled it up here uh we got chris pratt as mario uh, wow Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach. We got Charlie Day at, as Luigi, which is one of the greatest things I've ever heard in literally my life. Um, Charlie Day. For you guys that don't know, he's from Always Sunny. Um, yeah. You got Jack Black as Bowser. Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. We got Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek. And then Sebastian Menescalco as Spike, which is also insane, too. He's a really funny comedian. Um, and then, yeah, Charles Martinet is also going to be part of the movie in some capacity. I didn't. I don't think they gave him a character. Uh, I think he's just kind of there. And, yeah, it's coming out holiday 2022. Uh, I have no doubt that this movie is probably going to be pretty incredible, at least from the animation side because of Illumination. The cast sounds wild. The only one that I was like kind of perplexed by, funnily enough, was Chris Pratt. Um, obviously, you know, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. This seems like this is going to be a way more meta movie than expected. Like, this is not going to be a traditional kind of kids front to back <laughs> classic mario telling if they're gonna have chris pratt as mario um this is obviously gonna be a way different thing and again keegan michael key as toad tells me that toad is probably not gonna have the same screaming demeanor that he's had in the game um but yeah no this is very strange but almost kind of exciting for me because i'm like okay this this movie seems more intriguing than i thought it was going to be traditionally because i just anticipated a pretty classic kind of just mario going on adventure to save peach and i knew there was going to be maybe some supplementary characters added to the movie to pad it out a little bit or some scenarios but i thought uh this is probably going to be more uh just my guess as kind of like um a meta narrative on mario itself and there's going to have some kind of like questioning the kind of ridiculousness yeah. of the franchise probably more so than just your classic retelling and that's just mm. speculation on my part uh what were your thoughts yeah i i i almost still don't believe it like i don't know what i really expected um from this animated super mario movie you know when i watched like the cutscenes in um the mario rabbits game i was almost thinking like that almost like uh not a silent movie but you know you thinking I don't, i'm not sure i just so when i see these big big names i mean chris pat seth rogan uh you know key and key uh it's just weird to me uh because until i see this in action i don't know how i feel about it uh because i mean in what world do we live in that jack black is is playing bowser um and i pretty much like all these actors i i have no issue with any of that um it's just i i don't know like what does we've never heard mario i mean i guess in the old animated shows we you know they didn't give him like a hard italian accent um so it's just I just don't understand what does that do. Are we just gonna hear Chris Pratt playing, you know, reading Mario lines? Um, and he's a great actor, and I think he's really good at um animated movies. Because oh, if I remember, he did uh he did that brother movie for Disney. Um, can't remember it, but anyway, they, he did one, and so I, he he can do it. I just uh, Mario's always had that we accent, and then if I'm not wrong, so Charles uh, Marnet, which is the the voice actor for mario in all the games and most mario characters he's going to be in the movie you know with cameos so it's like once we hear that i feel like it's going to be jarring because though yeah he's a great voice actor himself a lot of his stuff ends up sounding 
similar. Uh, so the fact that he'll be in there and whatever, you know, they kept saying surprise cameos. I'm like, what is this movie <laughs> that we're going to have the OG Mario voice mixing with what a new Mario voice will sound like? And I think it will be blowing my mind when I see these characters speaking full sentences because for the most part of our lives, they don't. You know, it's a couple of Yahoos here, uh, <laughs> some Let's Go's, and, you know, all these, like, you know stuttering thing like when i see toad speak a sentence and it's not screaming i think it will be the most bizarre thing like when pikachu ever. finally spoke yeah remember, we all remember that pokemon movie where pikachu lord i don't know what they were thinking about that, that was nuts um yeah that was a nut thing so i i can't i don't know friend armison as cranky kong uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek. I just why what what is this? But yeah. uh, until we see it in action, I, I guess we can't be. I mean, it can't be worse than uh, you know Bob Hopkins uh, Mario. Oh. Back then. <laughs> so yeah. we so we will have to. Uh, I, I mean, until I'm proven wrong, I mean, I can be skeptical, but I I can I can't help but be sort of excited at the same time because it's just such a weird thing that I I need to see that first trailer. I need to see that first trailer. Yeah, the the only thing I could possibly think of because when I was I was thinking the same thing, I was like, how is this gonna even work in sound? And I was like, what if like the movie begins and they all have their like you know like Charles Martinet, uh, his voices Mario, like their classic voices, and then you just hear like a cut and like they're filming on set, and that's when like the normal voices start. And so it's kind mm-hmm. of like about it's like a look at the characters behind whatever they do on their day-to-day or something like that or maybe it's not even like a set piece but like they go home and they just talk normal and it's like <laughs> like they don't play the role anymore and <laughs> it's, it's so gonna be weird. i just feel like it's gonna be so off-putting and the, the problem is the only i don't know how far they can go because you know how protective uh they are Nintendo, with their ip yeah. so there, there's no way that they're gonna have like a full kind of parody of mario there's just no way but it, it, or at least anything you know semi-explicit or anything like that uh so it just makes me wonder like how far are they going to take it or try to take it and how far will they even be allowed to take it but uh this is a very interesting thing mm-hmm. i'm super intrigued by this mm-hmm. uh the next one we already kind of spoke about the castlevania advanced collection but yeah i was super yeah. super excited about this uh any additional thoughts about this uh no everyone go buy it so maybe we get more of these collections and hopefully soon a, a legit new castlevania yeah, I was a little confused as to... I expected the Symphony of the Night collection that we got on PlayStation to come as well. But then I thought, I'm like, maybe PlayStation just has like some kind of IP lock on that one, on Symphony mm-hmm. of the Night, because it was exclusive to there. Um, because, I, I'm yeah, I was just confused as to like why we got the advanced ones, but not Symphony of the Night in some capacity on Switch. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's just probably my guess. Uh, the next one I'm super excited about and I'm excited to talk about, which is ActRaiser Renaissance. It's basically like a remake of the original act razor uh mm-hmm. looks phenomenal yeah and the only reason i don't have this is because i'm playing castlevania and kano right now it's absolutely on my list to get to uh because i absolutely adore the the original act razor i have it on cart um and i, I play it on there sometimes as well uh do you have any fondness for for this game yeah it's, it's one of those games where it's just it's so weird when i yeah. because it's like one of those things that i i knew people like this game i know you and i've had that discussion but it's like one of those games people are like oh what is it i'm like it's it's hard to sell because you start as a platformer then you go into a it's like a god sim god game. simulator almost yeah. uh, and then you doing you know city building and stuff but i mean i don't even remember hearing rumors about this and not only did we finally get like 
I mean, because since this release, and I think for us was in the 90s, I don't think it's ever really been re-released. Um, no, I don't I, think I, so. I, th- I think maybe on Wii's Virtual Console actually came out. I, I kind of remember having it on my Wii. That had um, But even yeah. then, yeah, that we'll give it to them. That, that had everything. Um, but not only to get, like, a nice little HD of it. No, they gave us a high-definition remake. Looks which good, is, too. It looks really good. It doesn't look very. I mean, just it looks like what in my brain it should. So, I'm in the same boat where it's like I cannot wait to. I've not replayed Act Razor in forever, um, just because it's so hard. So to be able to have it, um, n- you know, new and, and I believe on all the accounts, I don't think it was. Uh, so yeah, PS4 Switch. Yeah, it's not uh, Switch Microsoft exclusive. Windows. So it's on and also says it's on Apple Arcade and Android. But oh, cool. But, so it's it's available. It's available everywhere, um, which is super cool. So I'm, I'm wondering how it translates nowadays, especially when people are way more. I mean, we played Death Stranding, which is a game about carrying stuff around. So <laughs> people are open to these super weird, you know, look at gas, uh, that gas station simulator, and all these simulator games. On so Steam, it's like, yeah. So when you have that, when you have Acres is really good. Everyone who, anyone who hears this, Acres is really, really interesting. So I, I'm more than happy to have this back out of nowhere. And the fact that they were just like, yeah, available today right now they're like go go get it and i was like well, it was just so bombarded with information but uh i'm super happy to see it i can't wait to really get hands on with it and just like give it the time it needs because that's what i know once you get to that simulation part you need time for sure uh next one triangle strategy update obviously this is the mm-hmm. game in the same engine same spirit as octopath traveler uh, just like Octopath Traveler, they dropped the project name. Uh, and so it's just Triangle Strategy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't have any additional thoughts to what I had the original time other than the fact that it looks beautiful. Can't wait to play it. Uh, I like what they're doing here. But other than that, and uh, from what I remember, this is also the game that is probably more in line with like tactics than uh, a traditional yep. RPG. Uh, so, yeah, I like what I'm seeing. A- any additional thoughts for you? Uh, no, no, just, yeah. I, I, you know, I like I told everyone when it announced, I told you... I, t- I, I mean, it wasn't really a guess. We knew they were virtually just gonna drop the project, and it was just gonna be called Triangle Strategy. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm a big sucker for the the artwork and the tactics feel. You know, once you see that grid base, you know, it, it's random. I will randomly get into those super grid based games, and so hopefully when this drops, I'm in one of those moods. Yeah. Because I just, you know, everything else about it is just super solid. We got Delta Rune Chapter Two. Uh, for you guys that don't know, this is. From the creator of Undertale, from what I understand. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometime back, he dropped a, another... Uh, from what I understand, it's I think it's in the same universe, but it's like a different game. It's like a different thing. Um, but I played Chapter 1. I think it was like free on Switch. And it was actually really, really fun. Uh, and, and I liked it. It's pretty much the same gameplay style from what I remember to uh, Undertale. It's kind of like a music dodging bullet hell thingy. Um and so finally the rest of the game is coming out uh so for you fans of the series you got that uh any thoughts there no i mean i'm surprised it took us so long he he, yeah. he uh think toby, toby fox, toby right? fox yeah. Yeah. Uh, does take a long time to do this um so again i remember playing chapter one when it came out and i i liked that gameplay a little bit more than i did um undertale yeah and i know yeah there's like a lot of parallels like some of the characters from undertale are in here but they're not the same ones. so i don't know if we're doing earth one earth two type deal um it's you know follow you know delta rune is undertale just scrambled yeah um so it's interesting to see that you know I'm, i was surprised it was for free um he did confirm that chapters uh three four five are going to be paid 
Okay. Um, so for people who, I know it's also weird. Like if you're looking for chapter two, it's an update to chapter one. So if you already have Delta Rune chapter one there, if you update it, it should say chapter one and two. Um, but it's cool. I maybe we'll jump into it again. It, that spoke to me a little bit more than Undertale did. The obscurity of Undertale was always kind of uh, like keeping me lost. Um, so maybe Delta Rune will kind of grab me back into it but it's exciting to see i, I know people lose their mind over yeah. delta rune and undertale and and finding all the connections yeah i'll have to replay episode one because I, I can't remember crap from that i remember Neither like walking I. in a school hallway and something like that but uh other than yep. that yeah i would have to replay it uh next one it's an interesting one uh we got chocobo gb or gp uh and it's a, it's a kart racer game with like chocobo type characters and uh not for me personally. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of. I mean, I love kart racers, but I'm, I'm not just down with any kart racer. I mean, who knows? This could be a sleeper hit. Uh, but uh, what, what was your thoughts about this? I thought this was a weird one. Yeah, it was super weird. But you know me, kart racing oh, is my kind of my my thing. So when I saw this, obviously, I thought it was super exciting, especially in a world where they are refusing to give us Mario Kart Nine yeah. and you know Crash Team Racing. Um, I actually haven't touched really one they just slammed it with all the microtransactions and oh, all the they? weird that stuff. Sucks. I, I've yeah, to get like characters and stuff. Um, and or they were basically like, super battle passing it, and I just didn't have the time. I just wanted to play it very casually. Um, so it is interesting. I'm curious to see what character. I gotta see because my thing is, I don't like playing any kart racer, so it takes a lot. So it, it takes a lot for me to you know get, you know, just slapping an IP on it. You know, like the Sonic Team Racing that just came out. That was the last Sonic Kart Racing game I really don't like. I really, really, really don't like that game. So I don't play any Kart Racer just because you put the characters I love on it. Um, but this looks pretty solid. I, this is one of the things I just hope they give us a demo um, so I can try it out. Um, because we, you know, we've only seen like three characters. I think obviously they showed Chocobo. I think they showed like Vivi um, or as a mage. Or it might have just been a mage. I don't know if it was him exactly. But I... I I'll keep an eye on it. I, they they just really just gave us 2022 as a release date, but I'm hoping it's. I hope this is not just a quick cash grab. Yeah, I, I hope it's really good. The thing is, I just I have such high standards when it comes to kart racer because I feel like CTR yeah. and Mario Kart have just mastered it. And there, there are two sides of this kind of the same coin. Uh, people go back and forth about which one they like more, but I think they they both just mastered it so well. So for like a third entry to kind of break in, you just you got to come with the, the heat. And so like I'm skeptical of it, but I'm not writing it off so far because again, sometimes you hear about these things they'll come out and it's like, hey, this is actually pretty good. Um, yeah. But yeah, they always have you know Sonic or Nickelodeon kart racer. There's always one of these in like the incubation somewhere. Garfield kart racing got a sequel if i'm not wrong that's absolutely i i I, like i almost want to get the game just because um but yeah so we'll see how this one plays out uh but from what they showed in the trailer it looks like this is getting a bit more love than your kind of just cash grab kind of thing so um and then lastly we can kind of end off with the bayonetta 3 trailer so finally this game reemerges. This game, for you guys that don't remember, was announced back in I think like 2017. So because the Switch was like brand new when they uh, yep. announced this game, and they just gave us a three there. And pretty much since that time, it's been completely silent. And so everybody's been asking like, what's going on, and how's it progressing. And so finally, mm-hmm. they're back. We got a brand new trailer. Looks good. We got a new design um, for her. So yeah, things are looking really, really good. Um, I can't wait for this game. I, I feel like I kind of have to replay two now because I, I won't be able to remember a lot of what was going on because it's been years by this point. Uh, how excited are you for this game? 
Yeah, you know, this is one of the things I like in every direct. I would look in the comments and people were asking for a Smash character and Bayonetta 3. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're saying, they announced this a long time. Well, they announced, like, the collection that came to Switch was with Bayonetta 1 and 2. Yep. Uh, with all the Nintendo content. And then there was, like, and we're doing Bayonetta 3. And then it was, like, complete radio silence. And then not too long ago, we had some people coming out. They're like, hey, yeah, we, we're we ready to talk about the game. It's all on Nintendo. They're obviously the, the big back publisher. Oh, that's why it's exclusive. Um, so they're like, yeah, Nintendo's going to show it when you, they want to show it. It's not up to us. Uh, and then weeks later, obviously, we got the trailer finally. I think the game looks great. You know, there's like that weird tease at the end where, the, I guess, a new character. Um, people were speculating because it almost you know, it almost had like a Devil May Cry reveal at the end. Um, but we'll see what plays. Again, I can't remember the story of these Bayonetta games for anything. Yeah. Um, because especially Bayonetta 1, which was so... Uh, I don't know, campy in a sense, and so just like weird. Being of the two, I don't remember any. I do. I at one point, I believe I just started skipping the stories because it was weird. So I may have to uh, replay it or maybe watch a recap. Um, but it's finally. I'm glad it's finally out there because I know there's. I I know some deep Bayonetta fans that are just dying for this game and they don't know where it is. Uh, I think her character design looks good. They really went with like especially the hairstyle, super different in each you know entry so far so it makes sense and is in line with everything definitely yeah so uh that was it for the nintendo direct so that we can jump right into the next story a lot of good stuff uh, uh, you know these these you know sony hit us with a good uh state of play not too long ago then direct xbox yeah, it was always good gets direct. a little a little willy washy with uh theirs but uh <laughs> we'll see um so next story uh we have a, a continuation of this whole epic games versus apple uh we actually i want to say discussed this last week or the or you know the last episode or the episode before where i kept as a joke in words saying that both teams lost because uh, i know that article seemed almost like epic one and now we're seeing it, it really isn't so uh from matt kim uh epic Games ceo tim sweeney revealed that apple has rejected the company's request to reinstate epic's developer account effectively banning Fortnite from returning to the App Store following the legal battle between Epic and Apple. Uh, Sweeney revealed on social media this uh, this morning, uh, later a letter sent to him by Apple rejecting Epic's request to have its developer program reinstated. An Apple developer account is required to develop and deliver apps on iOS. Furthermore, Apple says it will not consider requests to reinstate Epic's account until the district court's judgment becomes final and non-appealable, which Sweeney says could take up as long as five years, which means basic you know in, in the quick sense fortnite could not could be banned for minimum almost about minimum for five years on ios devices which is a little nuts i thought this was something you know we talk about every time we thought things would have settled down by now someone would have paid someone out or the courts would have pushed it in one way or the other um it's nuts to think that apple's sticking by their gun they don't care um i it's just so wild that they're still doing this um and being almost very petty like i always said both both sides lost and this shows even more of that uh to the point where even apple says even once the decision is final they're gonna try to appeal it as soon as they can so once it's all over is then when they can start even thinking about letting epic back on the app store which is it's it's a nuts case this this is interesting i can't wait till someone have the story or the documentary on this because this is something i gotta see yeah. whatever footage that they have um because what what a because it, it, I understand where this all came from. It, it almost became to like this pettiness now, and now it's just like in this limbo. Uh, I actually don't think you will ever see uh, Fortnite back on the iOS or the App Store or the Epic Games in, in general, um, because they will obviously keep going on this. But uh, what do you think of this this turnout? This is one I didn't really see coming. 
Yeah, funnily enough, it you know, it doesn't surprise me at all because, you know, Apple is just leveraging what abilities they have. And so mm-hmm. if they can't necessarily control, you know, the, the amount of money or, or the ability for them to link and make money on their account, you know, because of monopolistic concerns or uh, competitive uh, mm-hmm. charging concerns, then obviously they're probably going to do the one thing they probably can control, which is to allow you to have a presence on their e-store, period. Um, so it didn't surprise me. I thought it was a bold move because basically they're they're really you know cutting off their foot there where they're just like we. I mean Apple, whether they make the margins that they want or not, they do make money off of Fortnite. It's one of the massive game games. So even with that thirty percent, and if it's lowered to like fifteen or ten percent, or because you know they're allowed to link to their own store or whatever that does, um, they do make some money on Fortnite, and I would imagine they make a lot more money with Fortnite than they make with a lot of the vaporware nonsense ads that they have uh, or um, apps that they have on their store. So for them to basically be like, we're willing to sacrifice all that money, it shows that mm-hmm. they're just not really playing with Epic. Um, so yeah, the corporation wars continue. Uh, this is just another battle, and you know, Epic seemed to have won a small battle last week, and or last episode and it seems like maybe they they're winning a small battle here apple um and they're just gonna you know go back and forth leveraging what they can pretty much uh and so you know epic leveraged the courts and were able to get a victory there but uh at no point did the courts rule that apple absolutely has to allow epic to have a presence on their store they they can feel free to reject that as they want so exactly uh, in in a legal sense um yes so, so yeah no that and i i doubt this will be the end of that um I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know epic finds a way to possibly sue apple for that uh yeah. process too as well for you know unfairly terminating their thing and i i don't know what the legal precedence for that is again i'm not a legal scholar but uh I, i'm very interested to see how this plays out uh i'm I personally don't have an iOS device, and I don't really play Fortnite, so I'm it's super outside observer for me. I kind of just watch this from an outside perspective, and I think it's really interesting. Um, but so for me, it was a surprising move in the way that I didn't expect Apple to be willing to completely negate any profits they can get off of Fortnite for the sole purpose of kind of getting back at Epic. Uh, that kind of surprised me, that level of pettiness. But at the same time, it doesn't surprise me because I know companies will absolutely leverage any bit of control that they can over another corporation if they can. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of my feelings on it. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's just, <laughs> of, of all companies, I wasn't surprised that Apple would do this. No, they're, they're a very petty company. So Yeah. Um, next big story, and this has kind of been stewing around the rumor mill the entire mm-hmm. past two weeks uh so quantic dream the developer behind he- heavy rain in detroit become human is rumored to be making a star wars game and this story is by jared moore uh the rumor has surfaced cur- courtesy of french youtuber Gotoz, sorry if i'm mispronouncing that uh who reports that the studio has signed on with disney uh this follows the company's shift to multi-platform after a long history of working exclusively with sony so dual shockers reports that uh from its own sources that confirm that quantic dream is working on a star wars game uh the site reports that its source provided overwhelming evidence of having connections with quantic dream and that the star wars game has been the studio's uh project for around 18 months uh the report notes that it's unclear what exactly that 18 month time frame entails but rumors within the french developer community suggest that the game may have just began to full development in the past full uh mm-hmm. past few months 
So there's a very interesting story. Um, and, and we got a couple things here. So first off, the Star Wars exclusivity deal with EA is up now. So other companies are free to make um, game. Was that incorrect? No, no, good. I'm saying good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that exclusive deal is up. Uh, obviously, that means that they're... That, that doesn't mean that they're not going to work with EA going forward. That just gives other people, like, theoretically, Ubisoft or, like, uh, Quantic Dream, the ability to make a Star Wars game as well. Um, so that's very interesting in that regard. Uh, Quantic Dream is a very controversial team uh, as of recently, and not because of the studio themselves, but the, rather the studio CEO, uh, David Cage, who mm-hmm. has had his own bout of legal problems and a toxic workplace allegations and all types of stuff uh, related to him. So he's a bit of a nutty character. Uh, and so that is my first reaction when I heard this story was I was surprised that Disney might link themselves with a company w- headed by a guy as controversial as David Cage. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what made me skeptical because when it comes to specific controversy when things uh, at least we could limit it to just Star Wars if you want, not even Disney as a whole. Uh, I think of that one person I, I can't remember her names the actress from like the mandalorian or uh even when it came to uh in the mcu um what's his name that makes the guardians film i forget his name oh james gunn yeah or the james gunn controversy uh disney seems to be a little bit on edge when it comes to working to with creators with a certain level of scrutiny on them whether legitimate illegitimate i'm not really here to render judgment on that but uh uh and so it just, it seems, and that was a situation where there were pre-existing uh, c- contracts that existed with these mm-hmm. con- these creators that they wanted to terminate after, you know, things got a little bit dicey. Let alone walking into a situation with that already established, and that's well-known, obviously, in the French developer community. And now, at this point, it's well-known kind of, you know, worldwide that this guy, he's a little bit of an off character. Uh, so it would surprise me to see Disney willingly go into bed uh with a company led by him but at the same time quantic dream is not necessarily synonymous with david cage uh he may or may not be associated with this game in general i don't know exactly how their structure of their company works um but yeah and and then also there's questions and implications about what this game even looks like because the nature of the way quantic dream makes games whether you look at uh Detroit, whether you look at Beyond Two Souls, whether you look at Heavy Rain, uh, how would that translate into a Star Wars game is also an interesting question as well. Uh, so what what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I knew for sure we were going to discuss this, so I've been digging deep into this because obviously we, you and I are both huge Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. I I actually really like uh, Quantic Dream, again, besides all the, the controversy. You know, the products that they've put out have always been really well in my aspect Um so when I saw this initially, with without thinking just a Star Wars Quantic, uh, Quantic Dream game, it almost makes perfect sense, especially now that you know Disney is starting to loosen the grip a little bit. You know everything was struggled to be this uh, Skywalker saga, uh, but you know things like Star Wars Visions that we just got in, and the Mandalorian that is able to expand and you know open the world. Uh, seems perfect you know think i you know i so many ideas went through my head is you know when you see detroit become human when it's you know three different protagonists or antagonists depending what you just decide to do you know thinking of something if you go 
further time, you know, playing as three different Jedis or playing as a, uh, you know, someone playing on the Sith side, someone playing for the Republic, someone playing for the Rebels. Having a multi-integrated, like, story with choice makes sense. Um, but, you know, you know, but it starts to, like, reveal itself a little bit more because that's almost what I would want is a Quantic Dream Star Wars game. You know, but now when you look into it and where a lot of this uh, company's multi-platform shift ever since they're split with Sony, you know, they, they opened a second team in, in uh, Montreal or Quebec. Uh, and they're saying that this Star Wars game may be more in line with the games you get from up there, uh, which obviously you guys think open world uh, Ubisoft games and, and situations like that, so which makes sense because they've been almost wanting to talk. You know, Quantic Dream has almost been wanting to kind of break away from being known as just you know these games because you know Heavy Rain, Detroit, uh, Beyond Two Souls were very expensive. Uh, those games graphically, especially Detroit, is Insane. some of the top <laughs> notch. The facial animations yeah. and stuff like that, exactly. So it, it all really depends what we get uh, from them. Um, it just. It, that's the thing where it's like these are one of those rumors that I hate to hear because we don't know what it is true. Like, in a sense, which quantic, which quantic uh, dream is making this Star Wars game? And there's like a lot of more, a lot has surfaced up, uh, especially last night about more connections with people, and it's pretty, pretty significant that it's like yeah, quantic dream is making one. Uh, just which side of the studio is making? Is it going to be this new open world thing, which may not be what people want? Uh, some people will maybe, but. Uh, I I would prefer the other one. So it's just one of those things where it's like now I have to keep a note on this and either keep my expectations low or keep my expectations uh, middled through because not that an open world Star Wars game is bad, but now you're going to be realizing we we're getting a somewhat sequel to uh, Fallen Order, yeah, Fallen Order, which was you know semi open world uh, as open as I think a Star Wars game can really be. Uh, we have big bad uh, Kotor coming back, uh, so it's like you don't. I want different Star Wars experience. Like again, I'm gonna keep using Vision as a as an example because each episode is its own experience and tale. As much as I want some of those episodes to be a full fledged show, I just hope that we're not gonna get the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so it's it's concerning at the and at the same time exciting because I just don't know exactly where it's gonna go. Yeah, and, and I share a lot of the same sentiment as you do. Obviously, it seems like you're a bit of a bigger fan of Quantic Dream than I am. Mm-hmm. Though, I, I do enjoy uh, some of the things that they put out. I actually really do hope that, in the event that they are making a Star Wars game, that they do make it in line with the games they made previously, even if that's not particularly the vision that they have set for themselves going forward. Mm-hmm. I'd actually really like that. Uh, just because, again, as you said, that open world action thing we already have being done at a pretty high level. Um, yeah, Respawn absolutely killed it on uh their last one so or not not respawn um who did fallen order i can't remember yeah respawn yeah it was respawn right okay i'm yeah, not tripping yeah. but yeah no respawn absolutely just killed it and knocked it out of the park uh with uh fallen order so for as, as far as kind of like a third person action game they got out lock we could leave them alone off to see you know something a little bit more on the tactical side that's what kotor can fulfill uh we mm-hmm. got the first person shooters you know coming over uh from dice and stuff like that uh so you know, I, I feel like they can actually do something special, which is their storytelling ability. Now, obviously, some people like the story, some people don't. But what you 
can't say is that Quantic Dream doesn't go for it sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that they don't put care into the stories that they try to tell. And, you know, the way they interweave things. And they have a very creative way of telling stories over there that I really, really do appreciate. And so that's kind of what I hope for them uh, is actually to bring that to Star Wars and just do something completely different. Um, and then so kind of like an interactive movie version of Star Wars I think would be excellent um, personally. But again, if that's not what they're interested in doing anymore, so be it. Uh, but yeah, when people are actually talking about like, oh, we don't want a, you know, a Quantic Dream Star Wars game because what are they going to do? You know, make an interactive. I'm like, that, that actually sounds awesome to me. Because yeah. every other form of Star Wars game we have already. We have mm-hmm. the fighter pilots, you know, squadrons type games. We have the first person shooters. We have the third person action. Um, we have something more tactical. This is the one lane that I feel like is probably less tapped, if anything. Um, where it's like, imagine if you could watch a Star Wars movies and enter- and actually interact with it. Not mm-hmm. just in a way where it's like, oh, this cutscene makes me feel like I'm watching a Star No, but what... I- the Quantic Dream actually doing a Star Wars game where, like, you're actually... Like, imagine if you could actually interact with Rogue One. That that would be amazing for me. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm actually pretty optimistic about this, if done right. Uh, but, again, we, we are missing so much information. And, yeah, you, you bring up great points with kind of Quantic Dream expanding a little bit that this can mean a lot of different things. Because... Uh, and, and the immediate analog I went to was, like, uh, Bioware, for example, where it's, like, depending on mm-hmm. what team is doing what can vastly changed the experience you know it's the difference between dragon age and mass effect 3 and andromeda and anthem you know what i mean like these are massive differences depending on who's working on what and when they're working on it um and and so that that can also uh be a great thing because you got to think uh like with with ubisoft and like idos montreal and stuff like that the heritage of developer that they'd be extracting from uh, that area, if they're they're you know working over there as Quantic Dream, um, their that team would best be suited probably for the more action, open world you know third person kind of type of game. Anyways, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, you you raise some great points, and overall, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Yeah, same. I think even in a world that they go a little bit more action and go more, I guess, video game than uh, I hate the term, but you know, walking simulator uh, yeah. in a sense. I just think there would still be that Quantic Dream hopefully twist to it where it is very story based i mean especially if you look at the you know the first two trilogies of star wars you know so less the sequels you know that political aspect is pretty big to, to have those giant conversations whether it be with the council or whether it be in that giant dome thing where they're all floating i think back and forth controlling and putting your case up would be really well again in that quantic dream style um so well, I, I think even if it is more action-based where it's more game-based, um, I just hope there's still that Quantic Dream DNA uh, in the game. So that's at least my hope for it. But, I mean, we can only, unfortunately, wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. let me let me be Jar Jar and hand over power to Chancellor Palpatine. <laughs> yeah. Give him, uh, make Palpatine actually make decisions. <laughs> um, uh, so for the final story... Uh, so it's like a good and bad news because uh, last time we were talking a little bit negative, uh, negatively about this. Uh, so Yuji Naka goes indie. Our comes from Jared Mord over at IGN. Uh, so the Sonic the Hedgehog co-creator Yuji Naka has taken a move towards the realm of indie games following this year's disappointing release of Balan Wonder World. Uh, as translated by VGC, uh, Naka, who turned 56 on September 17th, happy birthday, tweeted thanking fans for their birthday wishes uh, before going on to announce that he's working on a small indie mobile game developing, uh, developed using Unity. 
his quote, I've recently started learning how to program again, and I'm working on a simple game for smartphones with Unity, uh, said Naka. Uh, quote, I'm making it by myself, so it's not much, but I'm enjoying programming it. I hope you'll be able to play with the app when it's available. So, you know, there was a lot of mystery and, and discussions and, I guess, rumors that uh, Mr. Naka was going to be just kind of done, put away away from everything after the, I don't know if disappointing is the word, uh, Balan Wonderworld. <laughs> Um, which, you know, you and I had uh, very strong negative feelings uh, from just the demo. You and I have not uh, purchased and beaten the game. No. Um, I- I'm glad to see that at least the passion is still there. You know, him going way smaller hands-on. Again, that first that may be something very small, puzzle, drag-and-drop type game. Um, but sometimes just having knowing he's still in the industry, uh, maybe be able to oversee and help work on other things because he has a lot of good ideas. There's, I mean... I remember when we first saw Ball on Wonderworld, uh, we were actually kind of excited for the game. We thought the art style looked really cool. Yeah. looked very uh, nice uh, is what we kept bringing up. Um, so, you know, it wasn't until we got our hands on the game that we were... St- <laughs> uh, that we... Uh, stinker. Really d- down, yeah, g- immediately gave it... off Based off the demo, we gave it uh, a stinker award <laughs> on it. Preemptive. Um, just because... You know, just in a world, you create a game where all the buttons do one thing. Um, yeah. So it's... it's and again, I, and I know there's a lot, a lot of other stuff in play. This wasn't just all his decisions, so it is sad to see it all work out that way. But at least he isn't. It didn't like, all right, I'm just disappearing from the game world. And you know, he's, you know, 56, and you have people even older still creating some of the best work. Um, so I'm glad that that passion's still there for him. Yeah, I actually read that. <laughs> Part of me, because I, I like this story because I felt like with the last story, I actually did kind of feel sad about it because it, it gave me very much kind of like uh, when when like Mighty Number no. Nine came out and just seeing yes. these like legendary creators late in their career kind of go out on a flop is like the the most like how much I wish they could have their blood stained, you know what I mean? To kind yeah. of, and, and it's not even a redemption because Iga never went on a low note, but um, just the opportunity to go out on a high note, not that Iga's done, of course, but uh, um, but just seeing him kind of go out like that, I was like, man, because he's such a legend and I have so much love for so many of his games to see him kind of go out like that. It's just like, man, it's just, it's sad. Like, I almost, that's why, that's like a huge reason why I didn't play Ball in Wonderworld. It's just because I'm like, I can't, I can't see him like this. It's kind of like when your favorite band finally comes back and drops an album and it's terrible and it's like, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm going to act like this never happened because I can't think <laughs> yeah. of you like this. Yep. <laughs> and and it, it was like the same thing for me where it's like, I love his game so much. So to see him kind of come back on this, it's like, oh no. So he, reading this story, I was actually kind of like relieved by it because I was like you know what he's still working but he's working on something like smaller in scale that I feel like he can kind of just take his time with and enjoy and I feel like would be much better for him mm-hmm. not this massive kind of triple a scrutiny everybody's like no what are you coming with come with something bigger and better and then he doesn't have to worry about that it's like he's just working on something by himself it's smaller in scale and I feel like sometimes there's something to be said that is just something that's better for your own mental health if that makes sense like just mm-hmm. something that's not going to break your back and it's going to take years to develop and then it comes out and it's a flop. Like, you know, that that's probably one of the worst feelings ever as a developer, especially, you know, later into your career where you you have like a legacy to maintain, um, uh, whether whether that's important to you or not. 
uh, and and so kind of giving him just giving himself the opportunity to just work on something simple, small app that is just it's almost like a passion project. You know what I mean? Like can kind of just go back to the core of what it means to be a developer. He's just learned programming again. I think that that's an awesome thing for him, and I think that's a much better decision. Uh, for him to go then try to do you know ball in wonder world 2 or something like that just something big on that where it's just if if it ain't if something ain't it it just ain't it and so sometimes i could appreciate him just kind of taking a step back and returning back to form so it it, it reminds me kind of like um and I know this is a weird analogy for people, but like when I hear about the stories of like Andre 3000 in the park somewhere just playing flute, it's like it's just getting back to the core yeah. of what it means to be a musician, or it's getting back to the core of what it means to be a video game developer. Not everything needs to be this, you know, millions dollar projects that it could be just something smaller that he can just do for his own enjoyment. So. I liked the story personally, even though I saw some people disappointed by it. I also I felt like sometimes the framing was a little bit off. Uh, by the way, some people are interpreting this. I, I actually thought this was actually a pretty good thing. Yeah, so did I. that's what I, I looked at it as a super positive thing. Like you know, he wasn't uh, down and out. He wasn't blacklisted or whatever. You know, it wasn't like he's like I'm done. You guys didn't see my vision. He's you know, uh, he's like listen, I'm learning to program again. I'm doing what I like to do. You know, I, I this is something he enjoys doing. He's doing it again for, and he's doing it. You know, obviously he's creating con, you know, a, a content for other people. But he's like, I'm doing it because I also enjoy doing this, which is uh, one of the biggest compliments someone can say about their own work. Is like, despite how it's received, um, or despite your previous stuff, he's like, I'm continuing this because I enjoy doing this. Uh, so that's how I looked at it. And yeah, I did see some of the skeptical people out there coming at him. You're not coming at him, but being a little negative. Um, but I was like, you know, if he's happy doing what he's going to do, and when this app is uh, created, if it's available on our markets, I'll check it out. Why not? Even if it's a simple puzzle game or whatever it is, you know, it's something simple. Um, it's all about that passion for yeah. me. So that's why I, I like to see. Yeah, for sure. And as and you would understand this, I'm sure, perfectly, you know, as the kind of like retro game fans that really have a lot of love for that that art form especially back then uh nothing's like the few things are as heartbreaking as seeing things go out the way like kg inafuna had to go out unfortunately yeah and it's like i hate to see stuff like that so the fact that he is just kind of openly saying like like things are not bad like he's not beefing the crazy with square or like sega or anything like that where it's just like i'm just doing something for me something Mm -hmm. small and i hope you guys enjoy it when it comes out like i think that's that is what i like to hear and uh and not to say that about, like, KG, like, it's all done. Like, he's done forever. No, of course yeah, not. Yeah. But for, for right now, like, it, it is just... Seeing that kind of stuff is just heartbreaking. So, like, being able to see him kind of just do something for himself and not going out on a low note, I think, is a great thing. Because these are, like, people that we love and I, I want to see succeed and go down as, you know, the legends they deserve to. And, uh, unfortunately, oh, not, ev- not everybody does their homework. And so mm-hmm. sometimes the latest thing you put out is the last taste people have in your mouth whether justified or not unfortunately uh so for some people inafune is associated with mighty number nine or i I forget that other red one that didn't come out um much more than he is obviously for Mega Man, which is like terrible and so i i i don't want yuji naka to go out as as like the ball on wonder world guy you know what i mean so yeah, I don't think he will. I, I doubt I so. I, I doubt it. I think I think there's so much, first off, life in not only his 
interest in gaming like he he can do whatever if if he's interested in i think he's fully capable of it and i think there's Mm -hmm. a great timing for it too because with sonic in the place that it's in right now and the kind of just resurgence in that kind of platformer and that style like this is the time for him that if he if he's really dedicated to it like i feel like he can really pull off something great still to this day absolutely and that was all the stories uh that we had for you guys uh, cool thing is, I'm looking at the calendar, and so the next episode uh, that we ha- will have for you guys will go up live on the 11th. We'll record it on October uh, 10th, and the cool thing about it is that by that point, the sw- uh, Switch OLED will be out, and so we'll have thoughts about that, hopefully, or at least yeah. I will. I- will you be getting your Switch OLED by that point, you think? I am planning on it. All <laughs> things all things go into plan, yeah. That's all we can. That's all we can really say. I'm planning on it, and if yeah. not... I- one of us will. One of us will. Yeah, I, I have. I, I'm set to pick mine up on that Friday at Best Buy. So I'm, I'm hoping things go well. I, I, I maybe it's because I've just gotten so used to it. It's like shipping to my house is what I'm used to at this point. So now going and picking something up in person almost makes me feel like it's not going to work. It, it's how weird how things have changed. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm excited to jump into that. I had thought it's so weird that there's so little hands-on anything about it. So. That's like one thing that I just wanted to bring up that's really weird that uh, the only thing I found was uh, there's one Japanese YouTuber. I I forget his name. It's like Hikakin or something like that. Uh, Yeah, Hikakin, who um, is like a huge Japanese YouTuber. And he has like an unboxing of the Switch OLED. And then there's like some like UK articles about it and stuff like that. But so few people have gotten hands on with the OLED, which is so weird for something about a launch in two weeks. Have you noticed that? Yeah, so I did. I did notice that the other day. I went to go look at IGN because I assumed in my brain they'd have something. IGN. I mean, they have to. I'm like, oh, they gotta have like a hands-on unboxing something, and nothing came up besides like a few discussions and some of their uh, their Nintendo Voice podcast, I think. And I'm like, unless it's I don't know, unless they're playing it close to the to the chest for some reason. I'm like, or whatever their quote-unquote embargo is not up. And I I, I was super surprised because you have to assume they're gonna get one if not already have it uh in hand somewhere yeah and and i don't mean to like make the implication that something's wrong i'm just surprised no. from like a marketing perspective that like mm-hmm. they haven't given this to anyone and um yeah two weeks away so i'm you have to assume that at least a week from now at the very latest maybe these early roundup ign GameSpot stuff will start uh popping up the unboxings and stuff like that but it's just so weird because i love watching those videos before it comes out before a new piece of hardware yeah. when like the ps5 was coming out all the like unboxing stuff i love watching that kind of stuff and so i'm like i want to see people get more more people get on hand with it uh and again no offense to hikakin because his video was great on it but like i would like to see some of my favorite youtubers get their hand like yo give it to marquise brownlee or, or like a uh, austin evans or something like that uh so yeah i, I just wanted to mention that that like the the swoled will be out by the next time so uh, i'm excited yeah. to re- report what my thoughts on like metroid dread is on it because oh god i can't wait to play that game yeah absolutely all right so this was the neo vintage podcast uh we talk over the biggest stories in gaming this is your bro and i am with steve hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you guys in two weeks bye